0: The Bible reading today is from 1 Peter 2,
1: uh, verses 9 to 11, and Lois will bring it to us.
0: The Bible reading this morning is, is very short, so you may prefer to listen rather than follow on. However, the Bible reading is found on page 981 in the Bibles, Pew Bibles, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Will you pray with me again uh, before we open up this word together? Lord, I, I want to pray uh, with these other believers here and uh, we're praying in the name of your Son, We're asking, Lord, that on the basis of everything that you've done, Father, through Christ, uh, through his death and his rising, uh, through his redemption and his salvation, Lord, on the basis of everything that you've done in him, that you would uh, do as you have promised, Lord, this morning and uh, make your word powerful and uh, make it effective, Lord, for for your glory and for, for our strengthening and joy. So, Lord, we look to you. Uh, our hope is in you. Uh, our eyes are on you, Lord. Yeah, we praise and, and worship you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. There is something on God's heart. There's something that uh, is captured captured uh, God's affections. There's something that God relentlessly and deeply pursues. If you think of of all the galaxies, you know, this totally, really does my mind in, um, that there, it's said that there are 100 billion stars in our galaxy. I mean I, I can't even kind of even compute that. A hundred billion stars. And then if that doesn't boggle your no- mind enough, there are said to be a hundred billion galaxies and still counting. So, so that is just sort of a level of of like it's incredible it's just absolutely incredible but amongst all the universe there's something that has captured god's heart captured his affections that he pursues and it's a people it's a people people of God. We've been studying the church and we've seen various aspects of the church. And this morning I want to talk especially about that phrase that's often in the Bible, the people of God. Because we've seen that God is a temple and the, the tremendous significance of us being stones in a temple. And yet ultimately we are not stones. And we've seen that the church is like God's mob of sheep. And how precious it is that we have a shepherd that pursues us with such love and care. But ultimately, you know, we're not first and foremost sheep. We, we are the body of Christ, but ultimately we are not a body part. Do you know what we are? We're people. And that is the highest and the most beautiful thing of all, that we could be a people, a people of God. I just wanted to think with you for a moment about how amazing it is to be a person. <laughs> I know we take it for granted and we don't, Think about it very much. But think for a minute about being a person because, in today's world, some of the academics uh, and, so, and the way the world is thinking these days uh, tends to give no basis for value of what it is to be a human, a person. No basis. We, we tend to think um, more and more in our world that we are made up of oxygen and carbon and hydrogen and nitrogen and calcium and phosphorus, and we are just a collection of of, of atoms uh, made up in molecules and we 're put together and that th- but there is no basis for the value of what it is to be a person. Listen to one what one philosopher highly regarded. Philosopher all around the world, this guy is highly regarded, and he says that human babies are not born self aware or capable of grasping that they exist over time. They are not persons, and the life of a newborn is of less value than the life of a pig or a dog or a chimpanzee. And that's because that. If there's no God, why are we more valuable? What what basis is there that that there's value in in human personhood? But God sets forth a a vision and a picture of human value that, that underwrites it, undergirds it by his own decree that God himself declares That human beings have tremendous value. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the highest pinnacle of His creation is that He created Adam and Eve in His image. He made them in His image. And I still haven't got my head around this. How is it? It just amazes me how is it that you every single one of you sitting in this room are somehow an image bearer a a bearer if you bear something you carry it you carry it like this and and every single one of you doesn't matter how broken or how disappointed or how whatever you are you are an image bearer of the living God We, we bear the image of God that's what it means to be a person. In biblical history, God is calling a people. That's just what it's on his heart is a people, a people of his own. After he created all things and, and human beings wandered off, uh, sin entered the world, there was like a curse on the world, but that didn't stop God having his heart saying, I, I'm pursuing a people, a people of my own. So, for example, he calls Abraham, one man, and he says to Abraham in Genesis 17, I will establish my covenant. My promise, my unbreakable promise, my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the and the God of the descendants after you I will be your God what is on people, God's heart is that he wants a people and he chooses one man and he says Abraham I'm not choosing other people all the other out of all the nations of the earth I'm choosing you and you and you're gonna there's gonna you from you is gonna come a nation they will be mine my people and four long centuries later and I just I really do wonder, four centuries later, God eventually speaks to Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of slavery because I've got on my heart to have a people. Exodus chapter 6, therefore say to the Israelites, Moses, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment and I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. I will be your God. I'll be on your side. You will be my, my treasured possession out of all the nations of the earth. You. You will be mine, a people that will have their identity in God and their value is so high in God's heart that he wants to carry them and treasure them. They are his, a people of his own, worshipping him, marked as his own through the mark of circumcision. And God created 12 tribes of Israel, each tribe constituting the people of of God. And even though God puts a king over this people, the people turn away, their hearts wander away. And you might think that at the end of the Old Testament, that the whole project that God has undertaken has been a failure. Because do you know what happens? Hearts wander from him and they end up scattered in all the nations of the earth. I thought, God, that you were gathering a people. (laughs) I thought that you you had it on your heart. Are you not strong enough, God? Have you not got it in your capacity to bring a people? They keep wandering. They keep scattering, And you, you end up scattering them all over the nations. I've just been reading through the Old Testament myself for months. And just this week, I got. To Malachi and read the last chapter in Malachi and got to the end of the Old Testament. And although I've seen many beautiful things and my heart's been encouraged, and but I did get to the end and think, oh, so much failure. <laughs> so, so much failure and so much judgment and so much disaster. And then when I turn to Matthew chapter one. This is what I read. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, He had it in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you were to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And when I read that, my heart leapt, (laughs) because I thought, oh, at last, at last, God is coming. We have been such failures, but God is coming in his son, in his own son, in his own person he didn't he he came as a person because in jesus god was reconstituting the people of god he could have come as a seraphim perhaps or he could have come as an angel perhaps or he could have come as some sort of fire in a bush perhaps but he doesn't he comes as a person because on his heart is the to build a people he, he's he's renewing a people and jesus appoints 12 apostles. Why? To correspond to the 12 tribes of Israel. God, through Christ, is bringing a people. And now, the the people are not, not marked by an outward sign of circumcision. They are marked inwardly. He stamps them with the seal of his Holy Spirit. They are his. They are believers. They are born again. He is making a people for himself. And through all the Bible, if you go to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, you will find at the end there is a people gathered, the people of God worshipping him. That is what's on God's heart, is a people. He is unmistakably pursuing to have a people of his own. So what I'd like to do now, just as in the last part of this message, is that I would like to look with you about the identity of God's people that's revealed in 1 Peter chapter 2. Because it starts off and it says, but you are a chosen people. Do you know in verse 8, just before, immediately before this, It says something, I think, shocking to modern minds. I'll read it. It says, it's talking about others that are not chosen, that are not part of God's people. It says they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. There's another group. They stumble over the cornerstone, over the stumbling stone. They stumble over Christ. And and, and they stumble and they fall. They are not part of the chosen. And it's also what they are destined for. The Bible is clear. That there's two groups. To be chosen is a precious thing. Do not take it for granted. It is a precious, precious thing. To be chosen. But you are a chosen people. That's number one of our identity, is that you're chosen. I know I've got a friend, an Aboriginal guy, and he was chosen to play the didgeridoo when the Queen came to Australia last time. And he considered it a very great privilege, just to be chosen out of all the people, to, to be chosen. But, but here is something that is way, way beyond that. That you are a chosen people. God, the God of the universe, has chosen you out of all the people. It's very humbling that, that, that why would he choose me? Why would he choose me? I, I could be anywhere if he hadn't have chosen me. Where would I be if he had not have set his love on me and, 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 and sought me and chosen me? And where would you be if he had not chosen you? It says here that we are a chosen people. A lot of people feel like they do not belong. There's a sense of dislocation and not belonging. But this is saying that you are chosen, that you belong. If you are chosen, it means that your identity doesn't actually depend anymore on what you've done. It does not depend on your wealth, it does not depend on your academic ability, it doesn't depend on your physical ability, it doesn't depend on your friends or how many people like you. It depends on it depends on God that he has chosen you. That is your identity. That is your security. He has chosen you. It doesn't matter whether all the powers and the devils of hell come against you. It does not matter because you're chosen. Chosen by the living God. Chosen. A chosen people, number one. Number two, a royal priesthood. Do you know in the Old Testament, the priesthood, the priesthood are the people that had access into the very presence of God. No one else could come in, but the priests, they could go in and and encounter God. They had access to the presence of God. And this is saying that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You have access, access all the way in through Christ, (laughs) that there's no barrier for you. Because of Christ and because of his death and rising, you are now a chosen people and a royal priesthood. You have access right into God's presence and your life now becomes a ministry to God in your work. What work are you going to do tomorrow? What studies are you going to do? But if you're chosen, if you're part of the royal priesthood, then your work becomes a ministry of worship of the God of the universe just in your life. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, number two. Number three, a holy nation. A holy nation. To be holy means to be purified. And you know, at one level we are not pure. Already this morning I've felt irritation when I shouldn't have felt irritation or greed when I shouldn't have felt greed or you too probably So in one level but but this is the truth that that when God is ours through Christ, then we are holy. He 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 washes us, (laughs) washes us clean, purifies us, and we are now pursuing holiness in him. But he it's by his blood, his precious blood, that we are made holy. Yes, you too. You might feel filthy and dirty and, and worth nothing and you failed again. But if you're going to Christ and you're trusting in Him, then you're holy. You're washed. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and lastly, God's special possession. In other versions, it says, a people for His own possession. thinking this morning at the earlier service that, that if a grandmother takes their little baby in their arms and that grandmother has got this treasured little possession just, just loves this baby it's a treasured possession it's her own and and she, it, she, she just treasures this child and in a very similar way God is saying to you I'm You're my treasured possession through Christ. I will not drop you. I will not leave you. I'm not thinking, oh, you're so, uh, uh, I'm so irritated with you. You're such a failure. I wish you were better. I wish you were this or that. Or I'm just, that's not God's attitude. God's attitude is that you're my treasured possession. I love you. I totally love you. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possessions. Why? Well, it says it in the second half of the verse. So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. Why? Why? Why, Lord, have you chosen us? Why have you set your stamp on us? Why have you worked in us? And it says, so that you may declare. We are to be to gl- declarers. There is to be a fountain in us overflowing about saying, thank you. Thank you, God, for your greatness. Thank you. I know the suffering in this world. I know there's people in this room that are suffering. I know there's difficulties. but But... God's work, his choosing, sovereign, faithful work means that there is, for those that believe, an overflowing thankfulness, declaring God's excellencies. Lord, you are excellent in all your ways. And so that we become, as the people of God, like a mirror reflecting back to him his greatness. Do you know in your life you are supposed to be a mirror? That, that, that his excellencies so shine on you, so change you, so so invigorate you, that you just come a light. <laughs> a mirror is dark until the light comes and shines on that mirror and then it comes alive. And when the light of God comes and shines on his people, on us, then we become those that in the words of Peter declare the praises of him called us out of darkness and into his marvellous light. Out of darkness. Do you know when your mum calls you for dinner, you can either obey or not obey. But this says that God called us Out of darkness and into his marvellous light. And the image here is much more from Genesis chapter 1 where God said to the light, come into existence and the light comes into existence. When God speaks... (laughs) Whatever he speaks happens and in the same way when he calls you, it is a very powerful thing. It is through his call, an effectual call, that you come out of darkness and into his light. Some of you here this morning may have never heard that call where God is calling you out of darkness, out of the darkness of your world, out of the darkness of your sin, out of the darkness of your selfishness and you hear the word of God through the gospel the death and the resurrection of Christ and he's calling you into another another different world, into light, into the kingdom of the son he loves because he's gathering a people, a people for himself. Let me say, lastly, that I want you to hear now what's on Jesus' heart for his people. What's on Jesus' heart? For those of you who have been gathered into his people, very precious to him, chosen by him, what's on his heart? One way to understand what's on Jesus' heart right now for his people is to listen to his prayer before he died. And it comes from John 17. And we get a glimpse into Jesus' heart for his people. Listen to it. John 17 Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. And when he says not for them alone, he's not just talking about his disciples that he's got right now while he was alive 2,000 years ago. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And that's us. We've believed in Christ through the message of his apostles. So so let's listen what is on Jesus' heart right now for us. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That is a huge prayer, that that, that we would, Jesus says, Father, just like you and I are one, and they have been one for all eternity. They have been the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit united. No division, no fracturing, no bickering, no pulling apart. They are one, and he's saying, this is my prayer, that, that the people would be one. Father, just like you and I are one. Now that is amazing. but, but he's wanting a, 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 a love and a unity because he's calling a people together, a gathered people that we would be one. And so I want us to join with Jesus in this prayer, saying, Lord, thank you that you're calling a people. Would you make us one across denominations? across families, across individuals. Lord, that you would make us one under your kingship, under your rulership, under your majesty, under your truth. Lord, make us one. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's the way, some, some people call this the final apologetic. How is the world going to know about Jesus? It's through the people's oneness about in Christ. Let me pray. Lord, thank you that you are, you've chosen us as many, many, that are not in the kingdom. And Father, we've just got this unspeakable privilege about being yours. And I'm asking with my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that that you, O God, would work in us by your spirit, that we might know it's true, that you've chosen us, that we might declare your praises declare your excellencies Lord I pray personally and I also want to pray for my brothers and sisters here that we would know what it is to declare your excellencies to others that more would come in uh, and be chosen, be in your kingdom Father yeah. I pray in the name of our Saviour and your son Jesus